Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Welcome to the drawing room, a space for intimate and surprising conversations. I'm Andy Park. What does it mean to risk losing everything you've built? In Dos Estaciones, the new film by Juan Pablo Gonzalez, a tequila factory in the highlands of Mexico becomes the scene of a slow-moving crisis. Maria, the owner of the factory, battles plagues, floods and debts. She attempts to hang on to the business and her place in society. But against the power of nature and big business, is there any chance for history to survive? Juan is the film's writer and director and my guest in the drawing room. Welcome to you, Juan. Come on in. Take a seat. Hi, Andy. It's great to be here. Thank you. Tell me about your own family's background in tequila making. Well, my family actually has been making tequila for about a century or more than a century now. They're all from this region uh, and the particular town called the Atotonilco El Alto. And uh, they started... The first factory that was in my family was in, was like recorded in, um, like the photo that we have is of around 1890. Um, and yeah, they've been doing it ever since, including my grandfather and now my parents. So you must have had some pretty incredible memories growing up amongst this centuries old tradition. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's interesting. I think this film has allowed me to talk to a lot of people about that, just about, um, growing up in this particular region and especially what it was growing up here around the 1990s, early 1990s, because there was a huge shift in the region. And I mean, first in the industry, then the region, um, because in the 1990s, there was a so-called tequila boom. So everything really changed very dramatically. Uh, you know, the, the region has changed a lot. Now, it's so interesting that, you know, it's rural Mexico, but it's so uh, related to this huge global market. So it's very, you know, this intersection between the urban, the rural, and the local and the very global is very, 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 very present here. So is that what you uh, attribute the tequila boom in the 1990s to, a sort of a growth in supply chains and perhaps uh, uh, North Americans' tastes changing? Yeah, there was, a, there was a shift in both production sort of quantity, if you want to call it that way, and um, a perception of what tequila was at the time. Um, for a long time, even in Mexico, tequila was a beverage uh, for the for the working class mainly and the producers were really proud of that you know every, people were very proud of, of producing this beverage uh, that would that would be drunk in cantinas and you know after people went to work etc and then there were some there were some brands in the in the late 80s and beginning of the 90s that started branding tequila as a more kind of luxury spirit and it was a hit and you know it was a hit and it was i mean it was it, it was also like you know I, I have to also sort of give context to the fact that it coincided with the nafta agreement so that's like that's a um, a trade agreement that mexico the us and canada signed so that kind of it was like these things mixed together just made um 
tequila blow up in the US. And that's how it all started, actually. Of course, tequila today is big business. And that sort of brings us to the pressures behind your story. Uh, And certainly the interest of big companies, uh, like in any major market, it's about domination, isn't it? Totally. And I think the, you know, I think what the film tries to say or tries to portray is that, um, or at least what I was thinking about when I was writing the film with Isabel Anilana was that I think the local producers, one thing that really interests me about tequila in particular is that the people who made tequila really famous and started sending, selling all over the world are all from these regions, right? And these towns. So they're all rural Mexicans, let's say, no. And they suddenly, you know, from, you know, five years to the next five years, they were suddenly making deals with, with corporations in New York city and London and all these places. No? And I don't, I just don't think they knew <laughs> what was coming. I mean, it is, the film, I think it's it, in a way it it referenced sort of a tragedy, kind of like a, like it's sort of a tragedy because I do think that at that point these tequila producers had a lot of hope and they thought you know we're going to be selling all over the world and and we're going to help our communities and what happened was you know what has happened in most of these industries in in the past 20, 30 years, which is, you know, these corporations bought everybody out and keep buying everyone out and, you know, imposing sort of their 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 ways of production. That brings us neatly to Maria's position within society. I mean, those around her respect her, even call her family. But at the same time, she also seems like a very isolated figure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we wanted to... I feel that what what has happened with a lot of people from the industry that were bought out is that I don't know why I always get the feeling that their lives sort of became lonely in a way and and because they're, they're they were separated from what they loved what they you know it's it wasn't really you know it wasn't all about money it was like I see my father working in his factory and he just loves working there you know it's not it's not about losing only your sustenance or money. It's about losing what you love, no? And we sort of wanted to take that idea to the extreme with Maria, right? And also to sort of like establish that this is not a film that is romanticizing business owners, right? Like we we didn't want to absolutely romanticize the character of Maria. We wanted to be uh, critical as well, or just sort of like establish the fact that, you know, she's also... She also has a position of power in this community and and, um, that power and the loss of that power has also um, pushed her aside. Yeah, there's those hints uh, about her greater influence and the wealth that she used to hold and uh, the sort of change in in that status. Was there anything uh, autobiographical about that uh, loss of power about your family's story? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I think that my family... And, and other families have gone through this as well in, you know, in different levels, right? Like some became more wealthy than others and more powerful than others. But I definitely feel that in the, in the families that I wanted to reference, and, and some of them are, you know, my family and, and other aunts and uncles that I know that have gone through similar situations, 
I, I wanted to reference that um, in a way that um, try to be, you know, somewhat critical or of also that um, accumulation of power and influence, no? The acting in this film, Juan Pablo, particularly from Teresa Sanchez, is wonderfully subtle. She gives us the hint of her romantic interest in her newest hire, uh, but it's only through the briefest of glances and the slightest of smiles. How did you and Teresa discuss emotion and that subtlety in the way that you wanted to portray it? You know, it was that was really uh, <laughs> kind of the most difficult aspect of building the character, I think, for both of us. Um, we worked on this character together for... Um, for years, actually, for three or four years. And um, yeah, one thing that was kind of complicated to figure out was um, the emotionality of this character, or how this character would, would express her emotions, not just because of, because of who she is, but also because of the situation she's at. No? And, and I feel like I wanted to reference the way I see people from that generation in my hometown be like, they're very stern and very, you know, they don't show their emotions almost at all. It's very hard for them to show their emotions, but there are always glances into <laughs> some of their, like, I don't know how you say, like, like good spirit or like, just like you can sense that there's something in there that wants to, that wants to leave or that wants to be expressed more than anything, but it's really hard for them. And I feel like that is in a way kind of autobiographical, not autobiographical about myself, but about how I saw these, this generation of men and women that were born in the fifties and sixties, how they were, you know, because my grandfather, he was like, he would never show emotions. Like he was, you sometimes laugh, but that was it. No? But but for this generation, I think they were kind of like in between. And I was very interested in that in between. Yeah, it's the sort of cracks in the stoicism that are the most revealing, aren't they? And and certainly more revealing than, than the stoicism itself. On ABCRN, I'm Andy Park. Juan Pablo Gonzalez is my guest in the drawing room. We're talking about his new film, Dos Estaciones. In contrast to Maria, we also uh, meet Tatin, a, a local hairdresser. She seems less alone and less complicated, if you like, a member of the community rather than a person apart. How do you think of, of that role in this story? You know, what happens with, I think with, with, with Tatin and with the rest of the characters is that I, I wanted to make clear that despite the kind of... Um, harsh situations that this that the people of this town might be living or might be going through there is there is life there is everyday life there is you know there are people doing the things that you do in every other town in every other city you know? and that is a, a concern that i have because i grew up in this in this town i i visit a lot i'm living i'm currently living now in another town that's nearby <laughs> and Something that sometimes frustrates me is the way rural Mexico is portrayed by mostly filmmakers from the cities, no, mostly from Mexico City, but also other cities. And just you know, it's it's either it's either portrayed as a very romantic place or as a very miserable kind of place. So I knew that the character of Maria, or we knew that the character 
of Maria was going to be a heavy character, you know, uh, was going to carry all that tragedy, all that melodrama. So we knew that we wanted wanted to expand um, also the sort of notion of how, how someone can live in a town like this, no? You get the feeling that a lot of the cast are, in fact, locals uh, from that town and that place. Is that true? Yes, actually, the only person who's not from there who's in the film is Teresa, is the, the main actress. Um, there's another actor who is kind of like, a, well, no, he's not kind of, he's like a Hollywood, he's a Hollywood actor. He's a Hollywood actor. And um, Manuel Garcia Rulfo, he plays the engineer, but he is from that region. So he lives now in in Los Angeles and all of that, but everyone who acts in the film is from that region, yeah. Incredible. Uh, this is your first feature film, having previously done documentaries and documentary shorts. How much did that earlier experience in your career influence your approach here? I mean, the scenes of the farms and the factories have a feeling of truth that certainly wouldn't be out of place in a documentary. Oh, a lot. I mean, it was it was fundamental because I, until this film, that's who I was, right? Like I thought of myself as a documentary filmmaker. So to me, it was, you know, I was approaching everything as a documentary filmmaker. Um, even the writer, the writing of the film, we would shoot, we would do small trips with very, very small crew, almost like if you were, I mean, it, it was almost from 2017 till the fall of 2020. It was almost as if we were shooting a documentary. We would go there twice a year for about a week. Sometimes we would bring Teresa. Sometimes we'd just be there shooting documentary uh, footage or shooting with Tatin or shooting with, with Rafaela. But a lot of very, again, very sort of documentary footage. And you see a lot of it in the film, actually. Um, and the way we wrote the film was actually we were, whenever we were stuck in the writing, we would we would make a trip and shoot documentary footage and then be kind of, we would take that as a reference to keep writing. Talk to me about the framing of some of the scenes, certainly not the more documentary style scenes, and particularly the way that you show Maria, whether it's centred in a wide empty space or, or seen through a door that only leaves about one third of the frame visible. Did you want to shape the way we see Maria through the way she kind of inhabits her space? Definitely. I think both the space was very important for us. So the the shooting in a way where she's framed, it 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 happens also because of what the spaces were, right? Like a lot of these framing decisions are also based on the space itself. Like we were reacting a lot to the space. And I think that's, an, again, that also speaks to sort of this documentary kind of nature of my work. Um, and, but also knowing that, that this, the, you know, the factory is, is a character in the film. She's, she's losing that factory, so it has to be a character in the film. Her home is a character in the film. And we always... You know, I did. I do this with my documentary work also. Like, I always really um, like to show people who are in front of the camera within a, a particular context, right? Within a space. Certainly, in the film, we get the feeling that climate change is very much playing a part 
in, I suppose, the uncertainty of the future of tequila manufacturing or production in Mexico. There's plagues and floods, certainly the two biggest challenges for, for Maria in this film. What impact is climate change having on your family's trade? I mean, a lot. I think, I think, it's, inter- I think it's a mix between climate change and what has cost climate change that affects these regions a lot. And by that, I mean overproduction, right, of especially agricultural products. You see now that um, the, the land is very eroded. You see now that, you know, tequila used to be, you know, agaves used to have have to be grown for about five to six years so they are ripe right and a lot of these companies are um are making tequila with you know two-year-old three-year-old agaves and and are over farming the land and that's really you know a really big problem also monoculture i don't know if you call it that way also in australia like monoculture kind of like just just uh growing one seed in a plot of land um, has also affected a lot of these regions. And certainly, you know, unexpected rain, sometimes, you know, this place, sometimes it snows in this place, which is, you know, it's impossible. Like, <laughs> that w- would have never happened, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago. And and a lot of people lose their, their plants because of that. No? Which sort of brings me to say that your film has that same sort of uh, slow uh, intensity, uh, just like I suppose it takes five years to grow the agave. Uh, was that a parallel that was conscious during the, the making of this film? I mean, I think you could see, you could certainly feel and see and experience that that parallel. I think to me, it's also a parallel of how I think this space moves, right? How I think people here move and live, no? Um, That is really, really important to me. Um, A kind of rhythm, like sort of finding a specific rhythm. Um, That's why, you know, when people talk about slow cinema or like these things, I I, I find them very generic and and sort of problematic, those, those categorizations, because I think what we're trying to do as filmmakers, you know, if you're trying to be true to the place where you're shooting, is is not to be slow or fast. It's to to find a, a rhythm for you know for the place that you're depicting. Juan Pablo, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the drawing room. Congratulations on this film. Very much looking forward to your next filmic challenge. Great to talk to you tonight. Thank you so much, Andy, and thank you, thank your uh, your audience and and um, everybody. Everybody there that watches the film. Juan Pablo Gonzalez has been my guest in the drawing room. His movie, Dos Estaciones, is screening as part of the Adelaide and Brisbane Film Festivals. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.